Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for episode 60 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on November 15th, 2016 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we have the flowery voice of Justin saying 0516. Justin, how have the, uh, how have the drops been for you this week? A uh, few and far between, but... I did get a chance to do some rating, which was fun. Increased my light level a little bit. Light level a little bit. Oh, but hey. I did not get to get on Iron Banner as much as I wanted. Well, I'm just I'm just glad that your audio is cooperating and that yes. you know, we can <laughs> You cannot hide the flower under a bushel. <laughs> well, as as you probably will figure out, Mel is offline for this week, so you're going to have to bear with us while we try to find our way without her guiding light. The topic of today's chat is going to be the Master of the Crucible and all that there is to be a Titan, Lord Shax. Before we get into that, however, I do want to run through some quick housekeeping notes. In our last chat, we took a look at the Titan Vanguard mentor, Commander Zavala. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, as well as links to all our various other pages. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing as well. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Wednesday at about 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. A reminder, there is going to be a slight shift in our schedule starting this December due to some schedule conflicts and a desire to actually be functional at our day jobs. We're going to be moving to the live stream of the podcast to Friday nights. We'll still start up at around 10 p.m. Central, but hopefully this will give us all some more flexibility, not just for ourselves, but also for any guests that might be in different time zones as well. This means that instead of the audio hitting Podbean and other sources on Thursday morning, it will be available early Saturday morning Central Time. Please let us know any thoughts or concerns on that change, either through the Discord server or through an email to focusfirechat at gmail.com. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. These include Guardian Radio, the official podcast for the Guardians of Destiny, Guardian One, and Ghosts and Echoes, which also has the Destiny audio grimoire. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on the Weapon Foundries, who so graciously provide us with the means to do battle with the forces of darkness and each other. So, with all that being said, let's go ahead and explore the lore that we have about Shax. Justin, you're up. Yeah, I think I can handle this first one. See? You see what I did there? <laughs> Lord Shax! Yeah, is everyone's favorite unicorn. He is uh, the crucible <laughs> handler. <laughs> hey, he's got one horn and fur. He's a unicorn. <laughs> get, get, it, get it right. Um, Lord Shax is one of the heroes of the Battle of Twilight Gap. 
having led the counterattack that pushed the fallen from the city walls, fearing that another full-scale assault would be more than the city could repel. Shax chose to stay in the city to mentor guardians in the crucible. One day, Shax vows to return to the war beyond the city, the city, but only after he is confident the fires of the crucible have forged a new generation of warriors. So, yeah. I don't know what he's waiting for. I mean, I think there's probably been over a million people played crucible <laughs> so far. So, well, and you know, I think the other thing that we're, and we're going to, we're obviously going to get into that whole, what the inspiration for the crucible was, or our, at least our thoughts on it. But I think that it is a testament to maybe the trauma that happened at twilight gap and what, the survivors, you know, of that entire engagement, kind of their their opinions of that, you know, because Shax is obviously his opinion was that there were not enough guardians ready for what they faced at that point. Um, so I, I mean, I, I think I think like I, like I was saying, I, I think it's it's a testament to maybe the the depth of the 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 despair that happened at that engagement is kind of always the way I've been kind of, I've kind of seen the whole thing. The, the other quick, yeah, we'll get in, we'll get into a couple of the, couple of the possible holes in the, the whole crucible history, because the, this card makes it seem like the crucible wasn't around until after twilight gap, but we, yeah, but we, it might have some crucibles before Twilight Gap, so it, it's kind well, of uh, unofficial, like a street fight. Yeah, and I think that I think that might be the the defense. I, I, I'm 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 on board with uh, I'm on board with that. That maybe this is the the making it official, basically. Yeah. So so when you say um, when you talk about the trauma. Of Twilight Gap, do you think that the whole one day he vows to return to battle, but only after he feels confident the fires of the Crucible have been forged with the new generation? You think that's a cop out? He just doesn't want to. He's he's too PTSD to go. To I don't. Go I don't mean there. it by PTSD by any means. I think what <clears throat> what he. I mean, okay, so Crucible, right? Let's just talk about that first for a brief second. A crucible is something that you use to purify metal. Um, it, it, it's that's what you do. You you melt metal down to a molten core so that you can remove the imperfections and the impurities. And then when you allow that metal to then be reformed, usually this is done with things such as like precious metals like gold and silver. But it also is um, it's also a process of sword making. And that's that's an important connection, which again we're gonna, we're going to talk about this a little bit because Shax actually has a pretty big connection to sword forging. And so there's yeah. there is a quote actually that I I was I was trying to figure out when I could actually use it, so I'm just going to use it right now. But uh, Shax Shax says, "What the forge does to your light must be respected and feared. That path is not for everyone. That forge breaks the brittle and it bends the weak, but the strong." The strong walk away steeled and tempered, unbreakable. And so 
my my point here is that there's there's a very big symbol in using the word crucible and you know we have the iron banner which has got fires all over it you know there's the flames all over this um there's the the forge of the crucible that that is actually an an actual thing in real life a crucible is usually like i was saying you melt metal down and then what happens is when the metal melts down usually the metal will sink um liquid metal sinks because it's heavy and impurities will actually rise to the surface. And what, um, what you normally would do as a blacksmith or as a Smith of any kind, you would have a ladle and you would actually scoop those impurities out of the, out of the molten metal. And then you would just continue doing this process. You would just keep, keep melting it down and keep purifying it. And eventually what happens is you have only liquid metal left like pure metal, whether that be silver, gold, steel, iron, whatever it is. And then what you do then is you would pour it into a mold basically, or if in the case of, you know, whatever process you're using for swords, you can, um, that, that would be when you would start folding the steel or folding the iron or whatever you need to, to make the swords, uh, depending on the, depending on the philosophy and the practice that you are following for that crafting process. Um, for instance, as, as a farrier, as a blacksmith, that is, we didn't, we didn't really use crucibles because usually horseshoes, you don't really need to worry too much about pure metals. Like as long as it's pretty solid, you know, metal and that it's pretty durable, that's really all that we care about. Um, but as far as shaping the shoes, we would use forges for that. Um, so, like, I haven't had personal experience with crucibles, but I've watched people who use crucibles because of, you know, again, jewelry, jewelry especially. Uh, when you're actually hand forging jewelry, that is a very big thing. And so when he, when we talk about entering the crucible, um, it's important to remember that, that there is a symbol behind that. And that's kind of what, you know, I kind of think of Shaxx. I kind of think Shaxx as a master smith. And we kind of see that also with his ability with the swords. He actually is a swordsmith. Like he is a blacksmith in regards to a weaponsmith, I guess, in regards to swords. He is a master swordsman. And it it just, to me, is a really cool connection that this individual who is a swordsmith has domain over a PvP thing that he calls the crucible. And then he has quotes, quite a few quotes about how we are looking to purify things. So it, I mean, again, just, you know, we kind of talked about that in length on the crucible episode, but, um, it, it is something that I find rather interesting with shacks and in particular with shacks. So, but that is all to say, I don't, I don't think, um, I don't, I don't get the sense that he has PTSD. <laughs> I don't, I don't get that at all. He is quite braggadocious. Yeah. I mean, he, he seems like the exact opposite of someone with, with PTSD. Um, he's, he's not, he doesn't, there, there are quotes that he has that he actually laments not being in the field, but I think his sense of duty is kind of similar to Saladin's in that he, he views the necessity to prepare the city for another war as above his own personal, whatever his desire, whatever it is to be on the field, 
which is interesting, especially given his actions at Twilight Gap. So, but we'll, again, what we're going to, we're going to get into that a little bit later. So do you want me to, you want me to grab Thieves' Den real quick, or did you want to, did you have anything on that card? Uh, no, no, I actually, uh, I was just going to say, I've actually done a bunch, done a bunch of work at a steel mill. Mm. So, uh, and they actually have giant pots Mm -hmm. where they, uh, melt steel and all of the, all the impurities actually bubble up to the top. Yeah. And it's pretty cool. Like off the top. Yeah. If you, if you haven't seen this process, it is actually really cool. Um, I would really encourage anyone who hasn't seen it just to, I don't even know what you would search on YouTube, but I mean, just look Uh, up like, I I guess crucible foundry foundry. Yeah. I mean, but I don't know. It's, it's really cool to watch. Uh, you know, obviously if you're not really into creating metallic objects, you're probably not going to find it too entertaining, but it just, I don't know. I I've always found it pretty fascinating. It's, it's actually kind of an inverted metaphor there because all of the bad stuff rises to the top. But um, <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's kind of the dig at a at the setup of the crucible where everything's normalized to cater to the low levels, right? Well, and in, I think it's also the the whole concept of you know um, Saladin's biggest beef with the crucible is. You're you're coddling them. You yeah, know, that's that's the entire point of the Iron Banner. Is I don't coddle. We don't have time for mm-hmm. that. You don't you don't have time to play play at being soldiers. You are soldiers. You are weapons. Get used to it. Um, I think it's two different philosophies, really. But Ghost Fragment. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can argue the merits of that yeah. a little later. Yeah, we can. We, we we probably will. Um, let's move on to the next one, which is Ghost Fragment Thieves' Den. Uh, this is a post-match report, and it's, it's a conversation, excuse me, conversation between a hunter and a titan. Um, the associations are Ark, which is the energy type, Crucible, Fist of Havoc, Ishtar Sink, Venus, Lord Shax, and Thieves' Den on Venus. There is no audible or audio. So this is the transcript. Uh, this is uh, Hunter speaks. Okay, so Hunter is user one. And he says, I hear the roar before I see him. But when I look up, I can make out a blue burst against the skyline. When he falls, he brings the sky with him, scatters me and my squad to the wind, leaves us dead as the moment our ghosts found us. They bring us back and he helps us up. Says one thing. The Titan responds. What? Hunter, tell me what you've learned. <laughs> tell me what you've learned. <laughs> I, love, I love the picture. The picture in my head of that entire encounter is just, I think, hilarious. I picture Shax with his hands on his hips doing like a Captain Morgan. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> That's tell me what you've learned. Yes, that's awesome. So this is where this is where the very strong theory that uh, Shax is a striker titan comes from. Yeah, I'm yeah. Not saying he's exclusively a striker titan. No, I think he definitely favors striker though. Mm-hmm. So, um, any anything else on that one? 
No, no, I just that was. I mean, it's That's mostly a funny one. It's mostly Shax teaches by doing, mm-hmm. but he also like. I mean, again, it's kind of a. It kind of points out the interesting uh, situation that guardians have for being taught how to uh, how to fight is because you know death isn't really a big concern. It's actually a learning experience for them, which is kind of a an interesting interesting concept it it adds a degree of oh well, we can actually teach you like legitimately teach you how to avoid things because i don't have to worry about killing you because you're just going to get resurrected um and so Shax kind of seems to embrace that completely so but yeah that was that was pretty much uh Shax teaches by doing nice so i've got the grimoire card for swords uh, this is a Shaq's quote. There is no grace in their making, but we can change that. History might come to call it the Great Hive War, but others will remember it as the day the swords came to the city. Luckily, Lord Shaq's skills and research in all matters of swordplay will help ease this new age of weaponry into the Guardian fold. So if you remember from Taken King, we got the shard of Willbreaker, and then as part of the quest, we had to go to Lord Shaxx and give it to him, and then we got a legendary sword, and eventually we got our exotic sword. Um, so it all went through Shaxx, and like Blue was saying, he seems to be the sword expert in the tower. Yeah, and the only thing that I would throw in here is um, it is not clear to me if Shax became a sword master after Burning Lake, or if he was a sword master and then Burning Lake was like the aha moment for him to be like, oh, blankety blank, this is going to be a problem. Um, and mm-hmm. the, that that entire conversation, I, I we just read Ray's Lighter last week, um, so. If you if you didn't catch it, go listen to that episode. But basically, I don't. I don't. It's it's a hard card to read because there's so many people talking, and it's it's basically a transcript of the consensus meeting where Shaxx. I I still imagine Shaxx as like drop kicking the door open, um, and barging in, basically mm-hmm. based off the uh, the bear winning of a battle at Burning Lake. Um, and the, the, the importance of burning Lake, the importance of burning Lake was that it introduced the ascendant swords to the guardian ranks. Uh, so in the, and burning Lake was on the earth, uh, burning Lake was on earth, not on the moon. So this was before the great disaster. You know, obviously this was before we even had gone to the moon to attack as, as a host of guardians. And Shax is actually the person who is arguing against charging onto the moon, which given that it's Shax is a really interesting position because Zavala is the one who actually argues with Shax to listen to the consensus. And so the, their positions have always kind of seemed like Zavala is kind of the more conservative one and Shax is the more aggressive one. Uh, you know, we talked about Zavala's position quite a bit last week as well. Um, but 
Shax is actually the one that's advising caution here, and he's and and it's because of the swords. He's because it's because these swords are like he's he's I, I always get and there's nothing to really kind of point this at, but it kind of he kind of gets the sense of not fear but apprehension. Um, it's it's an apprehension of you don't know what you're about to go into, like. Uh, you know, we talked quite a bit about uh, Sun Tzu and the Art of War last week with Zavala. Shax is also a very, he, he has a few quotes that he has paraphrased from the Art of War as well. And so he is also pretty, I mean, he's not as well read in the, the ancient historians as Zavala is, but he is pretty knowledgeable about, hey, if you don't know what you're going up against, this is not going to be a battle you're going to win. I mean, taking on the Fallen at Twilight Gap and doing a counter-strike against Orders, that's one thing, because you know the Fallen. You know what they're going to do. They're not really, they don't have paracausal capabilities that they've even seen. And yet, this, they finally get a bare taste of the Ascendant Blades, and Shax is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, this is like a red flag for him. And he tries to point this out, and basically gets told that's nice, but you know, the people who don't really know what they're talking about, they're gonna they're gonna make the decision. So and, and that's that's how I've always read the raise lighter card. But um Justin, do you have anything did I miss yeah, anything yeah, on Raise Lighter that I not really, other than the fact that the consensus is having a really mundane conversation oh, yeah. about boundaries <laughs> when this like crazy offensive has been okayed apparently. I like do, I do get that. They're like, all right, well that's nice. Now growing city boundaries. <laughs> and Shax is like, whoa, whoa, I feel like we might have glossed over something here. Um I I did wanna interject that uh there is a lake actually called Burning Lake in real life. There you go. And, and it is in Bhutan. In the Himalayas. So I, I know there's a popular theory that the last city is in Nepal. There um, is. There is a popular theory. So I mean, so I I always took Burning Lake to be just the name they gave something, not an actual place, but there is a lake in Bhutan called the Burning Lake. So maybe that's the one they're talking about. Maybe not. Maybe it's it's possible that it's not, but it, it there's a high chance that it probably is. There's a high chance. Just just I'd a little bit. Probably like a 70% chance that's what it is. Um so moving on from the card Blue didn't want to read. <laughs> well, it's just it's like, and we're gonna talk about it next week with the weapon foundries really briefly. <laughs> Ray's lighter is like it's it's kind of been the card that's in every episode, it feels like. It's it's like that uh it's like the Ariana card I've read six oh, times. Shh. Except for that one. You think like we can really work that one in sign. here too? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, so I've actually got the card for zone control. Um, only one way. Oh, no. I did it wrong. Only one path to victory, Guardians. <laughs> wow. <laughs> only one way to the bus stop. Um, Lord Shacks. 6v6 team engagements. Seize pre-selected vantage points and dig in to defend them against the opposing team. Zones under team control score points over time. Sometimes holding your ground is all that matters. A rare concession to Commander Zavala, 
Shax offers up this variant of control as an exercise in battlefield terrain acquisition and defense. Lay claim to the territory. Go shoulder to shoulder with your allies and keep it yours. Either Titan would tell you that the best defense is a flawless defense, but take note, Cade 6 might just point out that sometimes that works the other way around. Other other than being one of my most hated versions of Crucible. Really? I hate zone control. Oh almost almost as much as I hate salvage. It's rift for me, but okay. No, I, I can see that. Like rift, rift just has that just that good amount of chaos that keeps it entertaining. Salvage and zone control are just like I don't know. It probably because I run a lot of solo PvP when I'm playing, yeah. and like zone control, that's a nightmare. <laughs> do you, that's a do you nightmare. know what I wish? Do you know what I wish we could have? And this is a Halo throwback. Juggernaut. It, no, Juggernaut. Oh man. <laughs> That's tough. No, um, <laughs> Juggernaut would be awesome. I was a big fan of King of the Hill. Oh, moving yeah. Hi- moving Hill. Moving Hills. Yeah. Yes. That <laughs> was my favorite. So, But Juggernaut's a good one, too. Juggernaut would be entertaining as everything. But the the reason... So, again, this is another card that we read last week. Um, again, from Zavala's perspective. But this is actually, uh, from Shaq's perspective, it's actually kind of interesting that, you know, obviously, Zavala is kind of not really his commanding officer in that sense, but he is the uh, Vanguard commander, so he kind of answers to Zavala. But... Shaxx actually, you know, kind of seems to run the Crucible with 100% autonomy from everything. He kind of just, he does everything he wants to do and the consensus generally just kind of has to deal with it. But uh, this is just a, it kind of gives a point that Shaxx is not really that interested in battlefield terrain acquisition or defense. He's more interested about just clash. Um, But... He also, but then it actually ends and it says either Titan would tell you the best offense is a flawless defense. So, I mean, he kind of, I mean, he recognizes the need to be on, to be able to be defensive as well. So that was kind of my point for including this, this particular card. You got, you got anything over there, Justin? No, I think, I, I think you nailed it. All right. Well, so we're, we're kind of moving into Shaxx's relationships with other individuals uh and one of those one of the most common we're gonna get get to an email actually that we have talking about this actually this was a pretty big conversation too in chat one of the most popular conversations when it comes to shacks and relationships is his relationship with saladin uh you know they're they kind of the tension everyone knows that there's a tension there and so again, uh, yet another card that we read last week is the Iron Banner Rep, and that is basically the sa- the uh, introduction for Lord Saladin, uh, and it, and it goes, you know, a hero to the city and a legend in his own right. Saladin Forge led the city's defense during the battle for Twilight Gap. His proteges, Commanders Zavala and Lord Shax, now lead the towers Vanguard and the Crucible, respectively. Saladin remains close to Zavala, though his relationship with Shax has been strained since Twilight Gap. The Iron Banner seeks great champions to lead the fight against the darkness. It was born to honor the Iron Lords and their efforts in the earliest days of the city. 
So let's zero in on that that comment about his relationship with Shax. They were his protégés. Zavala and Shax were protégés of Saladin. Now there's a, there's kind of a, a sense of the uh, Saladin being the equivalent of a vanguard commander. He's never been he's never been called a vanguard commander, um, but he he did lead the defense of the city. So there, it kind of that connection there. Um, also, the point that Zavala used to be one of his protégés under him kind of solidifies that point, at least in my own mind. Uh, even if the vanguard, quote-unquote, didn't technically exist, Saladin kind of seemed to fill that role for that time period. When the vanguard did eventually come about, it kind of seems that Zavala, I don't know, if, I'm not going to I'm not gonna go and fully say that Zavala might have been the first, but he definitely was a successor to Saladin in the sense of taking on the leadership of the city defense. Shax, on the other hand, Shax started the crucible after Twilight Gap. Now, there's a lot of conversation about what exactly strained their relationship. You know, Mel has a theory about the trust fall uh, and the breaking of Shax's helmet. If you get that, I'm, I cannot do that explanation justice. So she kind of got into that last episode as well with Saladin. But, the the thing that I've always kind of read is the personalities between Saladin and Shax. Shax um, Shax is a very headstrong individual. He is the type of person that will run into battle head first. Saladin is more along the lines of Zavala. That's always kind of been the 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 personalities that have matched. He's kind of. It's not that he's afraid to go into battle. It's just he's not going to run face first into the the enemy. Um, now the I kind of I kind of have a spin foil theory that I've talked to a couple people about, and I I don't know if I've talked about it on here or not. But my personal theory is kind of from a psychological standpoint. Um, we kind of get the idea that Yolder and Saladin were, let's just say, they were more than just mm-hmm. friends, right? Mm-hmm. There there seems there seems to be something that has going on with Yolder and Saladin. Um, now remember, remember who shut the door on Saladin when Siva happened. That was Yolder. She shut the door on Saladin and saved his life by killing herself with a bomb. And he watched this entire thing occur. So he he was there when all this happened. Now go forward a couple, you know, however long, and now he has two students. One who is a headstrong charging titan. Remember again, Yolder's memory of Yolder. Memory of Yolder takes away the cooldown of your sprint so that you can run face first into battle. Kind of gives you a point of what her personality was. Shax is really similar to that. So my actual personal thought is that Saladin was in control of the defense of the city during Twilight Gap. He was trying to hold the lines. Shax actually didn't listen and and spearheaded a counterattack. Watching Shax do that made Saladin remember Yolder and the pain that that was. And just because Shax survived and it actually worked just basically gave Saladin the ability of being like, I'm pissed at you now. And Zavala, you know, there is there is an entire awkward triangle going on here because Zavala is friends with both of them and is still pretty friends, pretty good friends with both of them. Right. They're still pretty good on with Zavala. 
Shax and Saladin, they don't they don't hate each other, but it's very, very awkward. And they refuse they refuse to say I'm sorry to either. Probably because Shax refuses to admit that he was in the wrong because the counterattack worked for Twilight Gap. And also because Saladin probably in in my spinfoil headcanon here, he probably won't won't admit either to himself or to anybody that there's a there's a connection here that might be causing a little bit more drama than you know than he was probably planning for that's my personal theory again we don't really have a hundred percent confirmation surprise on what caused the tension but that's always been the kind of the way i've read it uh justin what is you got a you got a different <laughs> so you just equated shacks to like a teenage girl and I didn't. I didn't call Yolder a teenage girl. <laughs> no, she was definitely a woman. Um, yeah. No, I. Uh, I think that's a pretty nuanced take on it, and it's as plausible an idea as I've heard. Um, I always imagined that their that their rift was a fundamental one. Just. Mm-hmm. To, basic differences in approach. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, your theory doesn't really differ from that very much. It's just, you went a little bit, you want to step farther and, yeah. and kind of outline the reasons, the reasons for that fundamental difference in approach. So um, yeah, I can get on board with that. Okay. You could Sweet. definitely see what losing, what losing Yelder did to Saladin. Yeah. I mean, and that's the like, thing is like, from a you know i i can't help but try to try to empathize with the characters that i that i interact with in video, and in video games in general um and granted bungie has not made that you know super easy with a lot of the characters in destiny but from what but from what we've seen and kind of the hints that have been dropped it kind of you know those 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 dots seem to be on the board and so it just kind of was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't have the numbers to connect the dots, but this seems like a pretty logical to me connection of those dots. Um, again, I could be drawing a, a turkey out of a, a hand. So, you know, whatever. Hey, that's some of my best artwork <laughs> drawn in, that, in that fashion. <laughs> so moving on. I actually have one of my favorite Shaxx related cards. This is the Shaxx Tex Mechanico <laughs> Mafia card. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty awesome. This is Ghost Fragment: The City Age Two, um, and this is a dialogue transcript. So just bear with me. I'm gonna try to act it out. What was that? Nothing. We're secure. We'd better be. Calm down. Whole district's been deserted ever ever since the gap. Nobody's here. Except us. Why'd they make us come out here? Secrecy. I don't know. He's our man on the inside, so we humor him. It's just the quiet making you jump. Help me get this screen set up. It feels criminal. I got word from the consensus says it's not. You know what I mean. Maybe it's not against any law, 
but it's messing with the tower. It feels dangerous, wrong. So go home. Yeah, you'd like that, wouldn't you? You take credit. Get promoted to division head. I'm stuck. So stay, okay? Think it's working now? Nothing on screen. Do we have a signal? No. Shah said the contact is six sharp. Then he's late. If he dragged us out here for nothing. Yeah, what are you doing to him exactly? Let's just... Oh, we have a signal. Okay, here it comes. Static. There. That's not... Hey, you're not Shah. 9940 our side. Are you Modris Wyndham and Sia Droysen of the Tex Mechanica Foundry West District? Uh, yes. My owner has instructed me to give you the following message. <laughs> I don't have time for low-life dregs like you. You disgust me. But my owner has instructed me to continue. Sit down and let the frame talk. I know your type. City big shots. You can show some damn... Listen, respect. Now listen, I got your message. The answer is no. I'm but not going to fix crucible fights for you idiots just to make your text mechanic a junk look good. Do you? Now I wouldn't quite put it like that. Think you're the first dregs dumb enough to try and buy me. Why do you people think you can buy me? Don't I have an honest face? Do I look like I need your money? The crucible is sacred. That's what you people don't understand. Like you think it's a game. Now, damn, this is the part where you start blustering at my little buddy here and telling him it's all legal down in the city. Just business. Just sponsorship. So listen, I can have 10 Titans crashing through your ceiling anytime I like, and you can tell them it's just business. Damn. Or... We can talk about how you're going to make this up to me. Ah, my little buddy's listening. Make him an offer. <laughs> oh, it's so awesome. <laughs> I love it because he's like, don't I have an honest face? <laughs> Do I look like I need money? Because you know how Shax has the furs and the bling. Yeah, he's, I look like he's I got his money. big, the big bling necklace that he's got. Yeah. Oh um, my god. The <laughs> there's there's a oh where is it? There's a um there's a card that he basically talks about how he views the factions as nothing more than filth. Like he he like he has no respect for factions at all. Mm-hmm. Um well Essentially, their political party. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's and that's that's actually the exact issue. Uh, he uh, <laughs> he can't he can't stand them. It's really really funny. So, but yes, it's because he has his honest he has an honest face. I don't know what what you guys are. Oh yeah, here it is. <laughs> it's the return to Shaq's uh, quest. He says the city's factions have all have their own agendas, independent of the vanguard. Political scum. But even I have to admit, they have resources that could provide you prov- prove useful to fledgling competitors of the Crucible. So, nice. so he he doesn't have a lot of patience for obfuscation. Dun, nice. dun. But that that pretty much wraps up the grimoire basis of relationships with Shax and with others. 
Um, we're going to kind of, there's a, uh, there's a card that I kind of want to touch on real briefly. Uh, it's a lot of people's new favorite game variation. Uh, and that's, that's supremacy. And there's a quote that starts it off and it says, it's a battle for glory. Savor it. Lord Shacks. Kills alone are not, aren't enough to score. Neutralize guardians on the opposing team and claim their crests. Guardians' crests bear the mark of their classes, and the supremacy match type demands that they defend it with their lives. A lost crest means lost honor. A captured crest, glory attained. There is very little that Lord Shax enjoys more than a rousing bout of supremacy. So first off, Shax apparently is a huge fan of supremacy. Oh yeah. And he gets very excited for supremacy. <laughs> his his shout casting, his shout casting is next level when it comes to supremacy. <laughs> yeah, he gets kind of he's yeah he gets a little excited. I'm trying to think of what he says. Something about you will not share any of the glory on this one. I, I love it when he says it every time. Um, yeah, and I actually never noticed that the class of the person you kill is on their crest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've never noticed that. So, yeah, um, it's it's actually kind of an an it. There, there is a historical precedent of that concept. Um, one of the uh, big, big, big aspects of warfare was actually capturing your enemy's banner. Uh, that's why usually bannermen were always the most, if not craziest, they were the most brave individuals on or some of the most brave individuals on the battlefield because they not only had the responsibility of defending their lives and defending their brethren in the battle but they also had the honor of defending the banner of their you know their commander general or lord or king or whoever was whoever it was that they were marching under um because that was that was kind of a bragging right uh in battle was taking your your opponent's crest taking that um and it was always kind of a big thing to take the take the banner before before the enemy had been completely defeated. It was very demoralizing for the opponent or for your opponents to see their banner fall. You see that even in modern warfare with uh you know world wars that was that was a big thing there's a there's a statue that's a, that's where the the soldiers are putting the American flag up that's because they're they're establishing a base they're establishing a beachhead upon which they can you know use as a base of operations that's a very big important thing in in a battle and so to defend that it's a very you know very very crucial uh again banners and crest are very similar here in that you are you are holding that as your honor that is that is you know your right to combat you are proving that you are right to be there um and so that's kind of where he says a lost crest means lost honor, a captured crest glory attained. That's exactly the kind of the concept there. So, yeah, kind of goes back to the whole surrendering of the flag. Mm-hmm. And yes, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, I love supremacy. <laughs> Super fun. Um, so moving from a crucible game type, we can talk about. A uh, 
obsolete crucible currency. It's so yeah, I know it's obsolete, <laughs> but it's okay. The card isn't so. Yeah, I guess um, that's yeah, that is true. So I've got the uh, the card for crucible marks. The crucible is a program of relentless live fire training, hardening guardians for battles to come. Competition thrives on risk and reward. So Lord Shax has seen fit to dispense crucible marks to those who excel. Guardians with a name in the crucible can spend these marks on elite gear. Shax considers it fitting that the best should earn the best. The city's factions, fond of using the crucible as an arena to advance their own interests, will also accept, accept crucible marks in exchange for their equipment. Guardians eager to win Crucible Marks should fight in the Crucible with particular attention to those challenges Lord Shax deems important. So this is another one of the obsolete currencies that was rolled into and replaced by Legendary Marks. If you didn't play Year One Destiny, it was bad. We had to drive our sparrows uphill both ways in the snow. Um, we had a different type of currency for every different vendor and it was awful. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't <laughs> awful. It was an enormous amount of fun, but one of the bummers was that you had crucible marks and Vanguard marks and never the tween shall meet. Yeah. But now it's, it's a lot more streamlined. I, yeah, I agree with that. Um, let's see. What do we have next? Oh, well, we're going to start getting into uh, the fun conversation that a lot of the chat was talking about this past week. Um, so we're going to we're going to open up this next thing and we're going to kind of mention this here. Uh, this is the Dungeons card. And it's a quote from Shax, and it says, Let us take what we can. You just wait. Pretty soon, we'll be holding matches atop Oryx's throne. And it's an area designation, the Dungeons. Location, Rings of Saturn. Spacefaring hive vessels contain, contain living components. And like the hive themselves, are a terrifying algorithm of predator genetics, arcane bioenergenetics, and what we must consider as darkness incarnate. But Lord Shax and his Red Jacks have proven... Even a hive ship can be tamed. So this is this is when we start getting kind of a whisper of maybe maybe something other than Shax is helping us set up these uh these these crucible maps and uh it kind of gets confirmed in this next this next card. So Justin, you wanna you wanna take the ghost fragment twilight gap? Oh yeah. So, Ghost Fragment Twilight Gap. Type, Red Jack Surveillance Feed. Parties, two. One support type, technician. One support type, technician. So, basically, two technicians. Associations, R-Site 9940, Unit 00. Crucible, Dahlia 9940, Unit 07. Lord Shacks, Red Jacks. Audio unavailable, except for my beeping watch. Transcript <laughs> follows. Unit 1. He's going to use these frames to take the arenas. They just came online. It's Shaxx. They'll work out. 
Yeah, or they might explode. Shaq's nose is a 50-50 with frames, right? Except our site. He's been here since we built the walls. And the frames can hear you. I know. Creepy. Especially when they parrot people. If they all parrot Shaq's, they might pull this off. Don't even joke about that. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I just can see. I can hear the last line being like, "Uh -uh. uh-uh. Mm-mm. No, Mm-mm-mm-mm. we don't need an army of frames <laughs> talking like shacks. It's bad for it's bad for business. So yeah, so um, Dahlia actually comes up quite a few times. Yes, in yeah. the Red Jack conversation, and I always kind of um, am not puzzled, but I always wonder why she gets the Crucible des- designation. The ninety nine forty. No, it's it always says associations are site ninety nine forty, and it then in brackets unit zero zero, mm-hmm. and then a semicolon, the word crucible, and then Dahlia ninety nine forty. Oh well, there's a segregation between well, crucible it, and Dahlia. Well, I guess that's right. Crucible is a separate designation, right? Okay. Uh, the reason being, why they do it? Eh. Okay, so the reason being. Um, it's alphabetical. <laughs> there you go. I just caught that. <laughs> it's all making so much sense now. Go sit down, Blue. I've got to figure it out. <laughs> and see, here I was going to be clever about it. <laughs> oh. Were you going to be like, B comes after A and then... Oh. Okay. I see you, Bungie. I see you. Okay. Moving on. Oh, man. So, <laughs> so that that brings us to another Red Jacks uh, associated card, and that's the Ghost Fragment Sector 618. Um, real quick, so Twilight Gap, we get introduced to the concept that frames... Uh, so, you know, sweeper bots, the postmaster, uh, bounty frames, all those those little itty bitty things that everyone likes making fun of. Those things are actually red jacks. The 9940s are uh, usually a so there <clears throat> um, there are two types of frames that we know of in game right now. Their designations are numeric and those are 9940 and 5530. Uh, generally, there is a. There is a physical difference between the two designations, and it also seems like a um, a job designation as well. The physical designate or the physical segregation between the two. Ninety nine forties are generally they have a uh, a typical head, like a typical head shape, but their eye their eye socket, I guess, is usually a square and it's very large. A fifty five thirty. Usually will have the more flat top of a head, and then their eye socket is a smaller circular socket. Uh, the 9940s are the only 9940s that we have right now are our site and Dahlia, and then the bounty frames, which is Berg, My- uh, Mika, and Xander, and those are the three uh, frames at the Reef, Fellwinters, and the Tower. Those are the only 9940s that we have. The 5530s are the sweeper bots, uh, the postmasters, and 
think that's the only bots. So, that and the, there was a tower uh, map droid, but they got rid of him like in the first update. It was really kind of sad. But um, he was technically, I think he was technically a 5530, if I remember that correctly. So we're, that number is a uh, is a model number as yes. opposed to, say, like an Exos an exos white number correct the unit number is um the unit number is going to be important especially with the ghost fragment burning shrine card we're going to talk about that uh we're going to talk about that a little bit but um so there there, that's the important thing is there's actually two designation and frames uh one of those frames is actually kind of it's kind of seems like a a battle frame uh, you know, there was there was rumors before Destiny came out that there was going to be patrolling police frames, and I would assume that a 9940 would probably be in that category as, excuse me, as well. So, I'm trying to think. I don't think there's anything that I'm missing. Um, so, what we're going to do real quick is we're going to talk about Ghost Fragment Sector 618. Now this is this is another card in which there are two technicians. Um, so parties are a support type technician uh, talking to another support type technician. The associations again are site ninety nine forty unit zero, Crucible Dahlia ninety nine forty unit zero seven, Lord Shacks Red Jacks. Uh, there is no audio, so the transcript is as follows: the feed sharing you've been running on the Red Jacks during the debriefs. I'm telling you, it works. Shaq says they're progressing at an exponential rate. He said that. Not in those words, exactly. Almost every Red Jack dies on the field anyway. What's the point? The data's for posterity. Newer frames will be better. Sure, but any data share hiccups and you're just wasting time. Okay, so... Other than this card being unavailable to anybody on the Xbox, this is a really interesting card because it actually shows that the Red Jacks are doing something that anyone who is in networking in modern day would recognize as clouds. It, it's updating; they're, they're uploading data into a cloud server basically to share among the other frames and to upload into new frames to basically immediately prepare them for their next mission. It also establishes that the frames are not expected to survive for longer than a mission. Basically every mission that they get sent on, like the previous card, there's a 50, 50 chance that they're going to explode first off. And then there's also the fact that they are walking into battles with enemies. So, you know, this is going to be, you know, sky or uh, sector Six Eighteen. That's on Earth. You're going to have Fallen. You have Burning Shrines, which is against the Vex. Uh, you have um, Twilight Gap, which, again, is you know kind of Fallen Dregs. You know, any, any of the maps that have been reclaimed by the Red Jacks, which is pretty much all the maps, that's been frames. Now, they, they are supplemented with Guardians uh, to a degree, but it does seem like a lot of the heavy lifting in the Red Jacks company are frames. And so in, in there was a there was a big conversation in chat about, you know, why why is that? Um and I think this card actually goes very very far in explaining why that is. Because what this allows is instantaneous data sharing between all the units of the Regex 
components. Like every single Redjack is capable of uploading the data from our site or our site. Our site experiences something. He can upload data and every single unit in his squad immediately is aware of the situation. Whereas with a guardian, you have to have communication. You have physical communication that could be interrupted. You know, if someone, if one of the guardians gets taken down, um, you know, by a sneak attack or anything like that, you know, if they get assassinated or something like that, they won't be able to warn their units. Whereas in a frame that is connected to a network, they get taken out. All the other units in that squad immediately are aware that there's a missing unit. So I think that's that's a, a component. And also there's the argument that these are not guardians. So if they actually run into something that could threaten a guardian, which is very unlikely at this point, but it's still there, they're just frames. You know, not to be not to be cold about it, but they're just frames. They're not guardians. Yeah. So they're am, they're expendable, am basically. I, am I the only one waiting for for one of them to say Roger Roger? <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, and and it certainly seems, but it's funny because some of these cards, like the Sector Six One Eight card, um, you can definitely see um, Shacks here, evidence of Shacks being very pragmatic in mm-hmm. his use of them, right? Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, he's grown quite fond of our site. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, and I have well, and I have a theory for that too. So, um, anyways, anyways, I just kind of wanted. No, no, I mean it, it is it is an interesting. I think that just shows that Shax isn't a machine. Like I think he, you know, our site has been around, and we'll get to well, him when we get yeah. to the quartermaster. But our site, also though, also it couldn't. It could also be. Old soldiers are very sentimental about their equipment. Right. That's what I was that's what I was gonna say is that our site's been with him since, you know, as pretty much a really, really long time. I mean, he's basically Shax's year one fate bringer. You know, like mm-hmm. you're ne- or your I guess in your case, Vex Mythoclass. You ever gonna shard that? I I did mine. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> uh, way to destroy the, my example. In the great sharding of 2016. Oh my gosh, you're heartless. <laughs> you are a machine. All right. Anyways, <laughs> let's go. Let's so, go to the next surveillance feed before you could destroy yes. any mother more are of my you, examples. Would you, Blue, would you say that you are sky shot? Oh my gosh, just <laughs> okay. so type red jack surveillance feed zero 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 four four parties two one support type technician. Another support type technician. Association, our site, 9940. Uh, Cosmodrome, the Earth. Crucible, separate designation there. Um, <laughs> Dahlia, 9940. The Earth, Fallen, Lord Shacks, Red Jacks, Russia, Earth, Sector 618. I'm surprised Rasputin's not in there. God. Did kinda, uh, that was kind of a kitchen sink of associations. Yes, it was. Audio unavailable transcript as follows. Unit one. What the hell happened to that one? Unit two. Dahlia, we call her the antiquity. You can pull more fallen blades and bullets out of her chassis than Shax's armor. But she keeps coming back. I mean, she's logged, what, 40 plus missions? 
Those are our site numbers. Better. Maybe we should give her alpha permissions. Let her call formations. Give it another week. If she comes back, we'll give it a shot. Uh-oh. Our site better watch out. Someone's moving up yeah, the ranks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um sorry that but i do i like this one because dahlia we get the we get a nickname for dahlia is the antiquity the antiquity and she's just <laughs> stubborn she just keeps coming back so yeah i mean and that's and that's again you know another point to one of the reasons why they use frames for these processes is an, another nod to the um I guess the networking component of the entire squad, you know, as is to be expected, there is one frame that has alpha permissions, which basically is saying they are working on a, on a network. They're working on a hive mind basically. Uh, so they operate as a single unit instead of, you know, 10 or 12 separate units. They're all one unit. So it just is a more efficient approach to the situation in general. So again, that pragmatism of Shaq's is kind of the pragmatism of Shaq shines through his utilization of frames as his red jacks. But, um, you know, talking, talking about our site, sounds like a good time to actually introduce the individual, the frame that we were talking about. I do, I do like, uh, the card crucible quartermaster because it gives you a good shot of our site, um, with his, with his fur, collar and his two horns he has two <laughs> horns so um you definitely see the shacks influence here but uh the card says no discounts big shot our site 9940 is the last of lord shack's personal combat frames when he chose to remain in the city to oversee the crucible shacks had our site's combat systems deactivated and rebooted with the tower's more civil vendor protocols our site's memory banks still remember the battles he has seen this knowledge makes Arsite uniquely qualified to equip Guardians for combat. His outward disdain for untested Guardians is a combination of a learned behavior, a byproduct of years in service to Lord Shax, and personal experience. His systems may have been reprogrammed, but the love, but the love of combat still pulses within his circuitry. And his light itches on certain maps. But, um, so again, uh... This this goes a little bit to answering why our site was taken out of uh, active Red Jack's duty, because it kind of seems like our site was kind of the OG, one of the OG uh, combat frames that Shax had. Uh, and I, I'm not sure that Dahlia was in that. That. No. Clan or well, that grouping. Uh, it well, seems like she might have been a secondary group. So, well, our our site's reputation had already been cemented right. by the time Dolly got on the scene because you hear them say, "Oh, she's done forty missions." Those are our site numbers. You mm-hmm. know, our site was already a thing. You know when when Dolly got on the scene, right? And I I kind of I've always kind of got the sense that our site was one of the frames that he led in Twilight Gap as the counterattack, um, but. Does am I the only one that gets this weird image of Shaxx like making up our site 
like mm, we're gonna put some fur here. <laughs> and then we're gonna, yeah. What you need some horns. <laughs> now you look good. And then it just, it just is the weirdest thing. It's like his little avatar. You know what I mean? It's just He's, weird. Her chain shacksified. He did get shacksified. Shax needs a pet. Oh, he God. did. This is a Shax emoji. <laughs> no, that's not the right word. I think avatar is the right I think word. The avatar is the right word. But um <laughs> So so yeah, with that in mind, why don't we talk my favorite crucible map of all time? Um the Burning Shrine. Uh, it's the best one. Type. Red Jack, Red Jack after action debrief. So this is after the the incursion. Parties one. One frame type unit combat. Associations. Our site 9940. Burning Shrine. Mercury. Crucible Forge. The Lord Shacks. Mercury. Red Jack. Sunbreaker. Subclass. Vex. Red Jacks encountered hostile AI at Sunbreaker Relic designate the Forge. Enemy units harbored a structural defect in the center chassis that the Red Jacks exploited with great prejudice. Over two dozen hostile units fell. It was amazing. Red Jack units 1 through 6 and 8 through 10 were lost to returning fire. Lord Shax says only the strong survive. I will learn from their destruction. It was amazing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I can't, can't believe what I'm seeing. I can't believe what I'm seeing. But so, um, for those for those of you wondering what the what kind of the cool thing about this is, this is actually the introduction of our site and Dahlia. Um, because remember, our site is unit zero zero. Dahlia is unit zero seven. Units. One through six and eight through ten were lost in this incursion. So Dahlia was actually a member of our site's Red Jack squad, I guess you would call them, and was they were the only two frames that survived this particular incursion. Um, yes, and so the other point here is that this is a this is a case of frames versus vex. So that's the other kind of interesting thing there. Um, other than, other yeah, than yeah. I hearing Shax yelling about not believing what he's seen, I really can't. I think that was that was my big thing was this was kind of the introduction of Dahlia in conjunction with our site and Dahlia, you know, kind of. Um, <clears throat> Dahlia kind of takes the leadership of Red the Red Jacks when our site is taken not he's not taken offline, but when he's retired from the field and becomes the quartermaster, Dahlia kind of seems to be the new prime of the Red Jack, Red Jack squads, I guess you would say. So and then and that really brings us to last exit. Um this is uh this is actually a surveillance feed uh from well I guess that all of them have been surveillance feeds of some kind but this is again 
two technicians. Uh, the associations here are R site nine nine four zero unit zero uh, crucible uh, Dahlia nine nine four zero unit seven Lord Shacks Red Jacks Tower. So again, audio is not available, so we have a transcript. Shax is pulling Arsite from the field. Not Dahlia? She's a natural for modifying foundry gear. Her combat numbers are through the roof. You can fist, fa- fist fight Shax over it if you want. Dahlia's the last Jack standing then. Maybe it's for the best. New frames have had have trouble data linking with her in our site. The two of them have been around since the beginning, and their heuristic systems keep rewriting everything. They watch her. She helps just by being out there. So again, this is just basically you know what what we were just talking about. Um, this is kind of a confirmation here. Is even though Dahlia seems to be, it, it's the the kind of the cool thing for me here is that it kind of is a nod um, to the frame's capability of picking up personalities in a way. Um, because remember when we talked about the Awoken and the Reef, you know they scrub they religiously scrub their frames for um for keeping secrets and the cost of that is that their frames are very well very robotic they don't really have personalities whereas the tower kind of does the exact opposite there kind of is a sense of you know just letting the frames develop their own personalities and you see that with dahlia here because she she seems to have developed a a um an aptitude for modifying foundry gear um, and then, you know, then we obviously see that with our site with the whole, you know, personality mix that he has towards the new guardians and everything like that. So it's just an interesting juxtaposition of two, two different societies handling of the same types of units, um, and the cost of those, those responses to those units. So mm-hmm. that actually, that brings nope. the grimoire cards that we have to an end when it re- in regards to Shacks and the Red Jacks, which would be an awesome band name. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. The chat. We spent a bit of time talking about the whispering, whispering sphere, which I still hold as a Black Thirteen reference, but. Um, the Whispering Sphere is a warlock artifact that is basically, <clears throat> it's a golden pyramid that has like a, an, almost a geometric looking filigree on the side that allows you to see inside of it. And inside of it is a solid-ish black sphere. Uh, it reminds me a lot of the Shrine to Oryx sphere, if that gives you any context of what this kind of looks like um and then it's got a mirrored base um and the description is you can't be sure but you think you've seen lord shack speaking into a sphere just like this one so a couple of problems there um you know first off the question is who is he talking to uh there was there's been a couple conversations <laughs> god <laughs> <laughs> and and you know the thing is is I didn't I didn't I didn't link it to the shrine of oryx for for no reason. That I mean it does. It looks a lot like the orb on the top of the shrine of oryx. 
Um, but I mean, the other, the other thought that Chad had was, you know, one of the things that we seem to hear Shaq's yelling at us in every crucible match, but we don't really see broadcasting speakers anywhere. So this could be, this could be the way that he's talking to everyone. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of up in the air, uh, uh or it could be, you know what? it, no, go for it, it reminds me of from, uh, Lord of the Rings, the, yeah. What do you call it? The the eye of the eye. Oh no no yeah 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 yeah. Um, I think that's the word. I think that's the word. I think I got it right. Demi would be so proud of me. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, it's it's the little ball that that a Saruman actually, um, yeah. The Palantir is a fictional fictional magical artifact from J.R.R. Tolkien's Fantasy Legendarium. It's basically a ball that you can use to, you know, it's a magic ball. Mm-hmm. It's there's, it's not that groundbreaking a concept. <laughs> no, no. Well, I mean, Dark Tower. Dark Tower has the Black Thirteen from Merlin's Rainbow, and it's a black orb. That basically brings misfortune. Um, and it looks a lot like the orb that's in here. Uh, there was um, a lot of uh, connection to Osiris because of the, the pyramid shape. So, you know, and we know that Shax doesn't really have a lot of problems with the trials of Osiris. Uh, we get that information from the Eliminator quest. Uh, it's a quote from Cade <clears throat> where he he's basically saying, you know, uh, it's kind of surprising. He says, I thought Shax would be irked by Brother Vance and the Reef opening up that tournament of his, but to my surprise, not a single word of displeasure from Shax. If anything, he seems pleased. Even set up those elimination matches for Guardians to practice. Um, You know, there's there's that con- that possible connection. Uh, but it, it, is, it is an interesting little thread that kind of sticks out there and it's like, what, how, where does this go? Um, I'm trying to think there was, I mean, there was a lot of conversation about the red jacks a lot. Okay. Um, Okay. So I think this might be a good time because I think we're in this kind of spin full territory right mm -hmm. now. We don't have a race. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. Okay. Do we want to open that up? He has, Sort of an in, an innate fondness for frames. I see where is you're going with really, this. Is it really a reach to say that Shax may very well be an XO? <sighs> and that is why we have the it only and we'll never the see only his face. race that I feel somewhat comfortable saying that he isn't is awoken. Um, just simply because there there is like not anything connecting shacks to any of the awoken that i'm aware of but i mean i i mean it really for me is a solid toss-up between human and exo as far as my opinion of his race um you know class obviously titan he does seem predominantly a striker uh not i'm thinking exo it's it's i mean we we know 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know because, like, for you know, I, my my reason for hesitation is Fellwinter. You know, Fellwinter is an EXO. No one was expecting that. It was very, very kind of out of the blue for us to find out that Fellwinter was an EXO. It's I still not. I think that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> you just couldn't Sorry. resist, could you? Yeah, uh, <laughs> but you know, like. I don't know. I, I, I honestly, it's a 50 50 for me between human and exo. Um, you know, cause I, I can see, I can, see, yeah, and her, her chain kind of said that in chat. Just because you like robots chain, doesn't make you an exo. Um, her chain with the caveman sentence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just because you like robots. You know, I mean, as far as as far as big questions about Shax is, you know, why is he a lord? Hmm. That was the thing that always Uh, bugged me is like, why? Why is Shax a lord? Um, He's not a he's not an iron lord that we know of. He's a boss because boss. But I mean, my question, my question there is, is, is that a title that he just gave himself or is that a title that? You know, he in spite of salad, right? And, and, right, right. Because, you know, is he is he kind of making a dig at Saladin with that? Or, you know, what what exactly so, oh, is that going? You're a lord. Hmm. I'm a lord. Uh-uh. I'm a lord, too. You can't I'm tell me what too. to do. So, yeah, no. I, um, I see that. And it, you know. You know, I mean, Commander Zavala, these Titans really love their titles. Cade is just Cade. He's he's secure. Well, he's, but Commander, I mean, Zavala is the Vanguard Commander. I mean, it kind of is a, it's like. Yeah, but don't you kind of think that they needed to put that in front of his name just because so he feel important, right? <laughs> um, as as far as as far as the argument for being striker um if you look at one of the quests for talk to shacks it's actually talk to shacks 3 it's the third iteration uh it's a quote from Ikora, and she says shack seems to not have a preference for a specific firearm in his days as a competitor he would finish fights with his hands whenever he could he was the idol of every striker yeah the reason i i say striker and I almost say exclusively, I, other than the random sentence about a defense being the best offense, there's not much proof for any other subclass, is there? Um, there, uh, there's, there's a few, um, there's, there's one, oh my gosh, I don't. I don't know if I have it. Hang on. Let me see if I can grab it from last week's notes. There is one phrase in which he says. Trying to. Yeah, I don't have it. Um, <clears throat> there was there is one phrase that is similar to a Sun Zhao quote in which he talks about uh Defenders being a perfect wall and strikers being capable of taking down that perfect wall. Uh, like defender, if uh, properly structured defenders can are impenetrable, but a properly, like a properly placed striker can take down anything kind of thing. Um, God, man, it's bugging me that I can't 
find that. But so there, that's like the only quote that really comes to mind. A lot of his quotes are kind of, I'm going to punch you in the face. Like, yeah, but he, I'm not saying he couldn't have another subclass. I'm just saying the only one you can say confirmed is striker. Yeah. I mean, like that. he, he definitely does not. He, he definitely prefers to talk about strikers or when people talk about shacks like that, I uh, that I quote, when people talk about shacks, they definitely kind of associate, you know, striker. Um, yeah, I, I think, I, I mean, again, I don't know. <laughs> um, well, none of us know. I'm just, trying no, to no, 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 man. I mean, right like now. coming, I'm, I'm trying, I'm thinking, uh, for any quotes other than st- like striker quotes, um, or striker esque quotes, and I can't I can't come up with any like I other than the one that I'm unable to find. Sadly, uh, you know, there's there's the uh, there's quotes about things other than the subclass. Um, you know, like the test your blade kind <clears> of <throat> talks about him being a sword master. Uh, there is, you know, his kind of view of Twilight Gap in one of the talks to Shaq's quotes. Um, but yeah, no, I don't, I can't think of anything with, um, with anything. Like, I mean, so for example, the Twilight Gap one is talk to Shaq's. And he's, and Ikora, this is actually a quote from Ikora, and it says, a single guardian executing a single bold maneuver can turn the tide. Never take anything for granted in elimination. Um, the only reason I kind of connected that to Twilight Gap is that the quest is talk to Shaxx, and the quote is talking about a single bold maneuver that can turn the tide. Um, Shaxx was the leader of the counterattack at Twilight Gap that kind of turned the tide and allowed the city to win barely. Um, so that was that was my connection on that possibility there. Um, yeah, I don't. So, so he supermaned a bunch of fallen. Is pretty much what I got from that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't know if he necessarily <clears throat> supermaned anybody, but you know, I, again, I kind of get the 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 sense in my head is him leading squads of combat frames and other guardians, kind of in a, as a push back against it. So. But yeah, I mean, yeah, so that's, that's my thoughts on the subclass. Um, I don't think I, oh, I did want to talk about something that I found, I found kind of just like personally really interesting. Um, so as many of you probably are aware, the voice actor for Shaxx is Lenny James. Uh, Lenny James is also known for his work with The Walking Dead. There is a very interesting IGN article, and I, I'm gonna, um, I will, I will link that in the show notes for everybody to read, because it, it's a really kind of an, uh, just a, it's a good read about him just in general. But they have a piece, <laughs> they have a piece uh, where they talk to him about his experience with voice acting, and. It's just kind of funny because like IG, the guy who's interviewing from IGN is like, you know, um, he says he's got a, he, I got a real kick out of the fact that you also voice Lord Shax, the crucible handler. And like, he's like, I don't know how much of a gamer you are, but have you, you know, how, how does it feel to play a game in which, 
which you voice in, you know, and we kind of, we kind of talked about this with when we did the episode with Morla. Um, but apparently James is not a gamer. Like he's not a big gamer. Um, and the, the article has an example of like, I guess he went over to a couple friends house and for a dinner party and they were playing destiny in the other room. And he was he was sitting in the dining room talking oh to his friends, and he heard his he heard Shaq start screaming on the team, and he's like, oh. he said, and it sounded like I was in the other room with them, but I couldn't have been because I was in the kitchen with the grown ups, and it was like, it was just like it's just it's like I I cannot imagine what that would be like, but I just found that just hilarious, um, but like yeah, so he's. He's yeah. not a big gamer and like, so, and he actually talks, he talks about, um, you know, like his, his experience of doing voice acting and stuff like that. And it's basically, yeah, he goes into the studio and he says, I get a telephone call to go into some studio and I stand in the studio for hours, for four hours speaking lines that I don't really understand the relevance of, but apparently they're very important <laughs> that I come out of the studio and I go away. <laughs> That's the end of the quote. So <laughs> it's like wow. I'm like, man, you know, that's I just found that really entertaining. Um, and again, I'll I'll link the IGN article for anyone who wants to read it. Uh, it's it's near the end. It's like I think it's like two or three paragraphs that it's talking he, about destiny. Most of the other stuff is, is really Walking Dead. Yeah, most most of it. I guess I guess he's a. I don't watch Walking Dead, so I yeah. No seven idea. eighths of that article is Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah, I actually could not find the Destiny part of that article in the time allotted, <laughs> and uh, and just kind of was like, okay, I got to fix my audio, <laughs> but yeah, no, so. he's actually been. In- and he's a really yeah he he is he has been in it quite a bit but yeah so it was it was just to me um i was just looking you know i was i was trying to find something you know kind of interesting on him um that is but yeah i I was like that's a really kind of interesting trivia fact about him is he's not really a gamer uh but he is he's one of those individuals that anyone who plays destiny immediately will recognize his voice for for the the person that he he voices um but yeah that was i mean that was really what the chat really discussed was a a lot about the red jacks um a couple little spin foil theories on the whispering sphere and i mean the red jacks was the predominant part of the the chat really um and I think that's just because we kind of we kind of really got introduced to them, you know, very nicely with the new ghost fragment f- cards from the crucible, the private or the custom crucible matches. Uh, that has that's where a large source of our information for the red jacks comes from, uh, other than just like snippets here and there from the grimoire and some other some other small items. Um, do you, Justin, you have anything, or do you want to you want to move to the dispatches? Yeah, I think it's I think we're safe to go ahead and move to the dispatch. Okay. Well, obviously Mel is not here, so uh the the costume lore corner is gonna be on a hiatus until we get her back next week. Um so everyone everyone be sure to give her some I don't know, give give her a shout out for missing missing her 
lower corner. But um, real quick, let's go into the dispatches from the wilds, which is where we get emails from you guys on the topic that we're talking about. And then, you know, it kind of gives you guys a chance to ask us specific questions that might not have gotten covered if you're in the Discord server. Um, or if you were in the discord server and you didn't have a chance to ask, or you just have a question about our opinions on a particular thing and you want to make sure that we discuss it, this is kind of your, your opportunity. So with that, let's go to the dispatches. Dispatches from the wilds. So our first first uh, email is from Blake, and Blake says, Hey, first off, I just want to say I love what you guys do, and I love the different look you guys bring to the game we all love. I just have a question, theory that has no proof or backup, but what if Shax was to be the Titan mentor slash leader, but Saladin made a last-second choice and deferred, which would explain the animosity between the two? Sunbreaker Masterclass. So first off, first off, Kudos on making sure that it was master class and not master race. I'm very, very proud of you. Um, even though that that obviously is is in an incorrect statement. Um, yeah, because it's called Tink Tink, <laughs> right? It's totally right. called the Tink Tink. I don't know what this guy Sunbreaker. Who is this? But um, <laughs> and, and second, thanks, thank you know, thank you for those kind words. Uh, definitely. Definitely appreciate always getting that, getting told that we have we have a valid opinion, um, or just someone is listening to our craziness. But um, as far as the question, uh, okay, so if Shax was to be the Titan mentor, but Saladin made a last second choice and deferred, um, boom, 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 boom. hmm, I would respond with I don't. I don't think that Saladin would have any say in who becomes the mentor um, necessarily. Uh, like we get the sense when we when we talk when we look at Osiris, for example, um, Saint Fourteen actually recommended Osiris to become the Vanguard commander to the Speaker, and the Speaker then made him into the vanguard commander. So there there kind of seems to be a political function a political function there um within the speaker's that's kind of seems to be a an aspect of the speaker to name the successor. Um now I'm not going to say that the speaker is 100% the responsible party. I definitely get the sense that a current mentor or commander would definitely have recommendations and the proof for recommendations. Um, we do know that Osiris was the Vanguard commander prior to Saladin, um, or not Saladin, sorry, Zavala. Blah. Um, so, you know, again, Saladin, we, we don't know exactly the timeline there. Um, you know, Osiris was here during Twilight Gap, but it was around that time that Osiris was exiled as well. And so Saladin was, I mean, that could be the reason why Saladin was in charge of the defense at that point was because that was, you know, post the exile of Osiris. Um, Not sure on there. Or it could be that Titans have always been the master of 
the defense of the city just because they like walls. Um, but I, I don't, I don't, I personally don't think that that would be the, the animosity between Saladin and Shaxx. Just our shakeup. Yeah. I don't, I mean, like I definitely, I I definitely see Shaxx as being not putting up with the politics aspect if that was the case, but I don't see Saladin playing that game either, you know? Okay. So for me, the two cease to exist in the same sphere of influence influence at some point. So you, there was definitely a period in the beginning where Saladin mentored Shaxx. I think we can all agree that, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. So there's always this awkward moment where teacher, you know, it's, it's cliche, but teacher becomes student. <laughs> You know what I mean? Right. So, um, there's, I like, I like the, uh, I like the, the connection there because we both know that Shaxx and Zavala are both giant supporters of the samurai esque codes. So yes, yes, you know, you know, so I, I, I like, I like the line kind of the, the, I like the line of logic here. I don't think those are the necess- are necessarily the exact um, circumstances under which it went down. Mm-hmm. I don't think mentor, mentor, and you know, yeah, what what's the other side of a mentor relationship? Protege, mentor. There you go. I don't think mentor and protege are gonna flip like that so interchangeably, but. Um, I do definitely think there was some friction caused when Shax as the protege, I don't want to say surpasses Saladin because it's not a linear thing. It's not a race. You know what I mean? It's, right. Well, it's and I like- mean, that's kind of the concept of a mentor too, you know, like as a mentor, you want, you want your, that means you did a good job. Right. Right. Yeah. And I Hopefully also, I mean, they again, don't necessarily displace you. <laughs> right. Well, but, and, and yeah, but I mean, of all of them, Zavala was the one that displaced him, if anything, you know, like, and he kind of has a, he has a still relationship with Zavala there. Um, I don't know. I just, I also don't see, I don't see Saladin playing a political game like that. Um, you know, like I just, I don't, Saladin is very, like all three of them are very, very, I mean, Zavala is the most political of all three of them. And that's kind of a stretch because Zavala kind of tells all the factions to go F off. Like, (laughs) you know, like he's not really gentle about it. So you're saying Zavala is the most political of all three of of Saladin, Shax and Zavala. Yeah. No, no, he's not the most political or he's the most diplomatic. Pull it. There you go. Okay. There, All there right. I will. He, I will concede to that. Yes. He is procedure bound. Yeah. I guess that that is protocol, a fair protocol etiquette and social norms. Social norms. <laughs> this is not. Uh, yes. This is not the courteous thing to do. I do not think Zavala would leave the house if you invited <laughs> him to a dinner party and he didn't know whether or not to bring something. <laughs> he would be like in the doorway. <laughs> Read that last transmission. Did she say dinner? Or did she say a bite to eat? Do we need to bring you know, a casserole? Like, 
Yes, and he would literally be doing the floaty dance in his store. So yeah. Um, no, actually, I mean, the like I said, the line of logic, I I I like. I don't think the specifics are probably the way they happen. But then again, who am I? I don't know anything. So well, and I don't. I mean, that's that. You know, like we were saying that that particular source of tension, we we really honestly we don't know. So I mean, it could be, it could be exactly that. Um, could it could be Shaq's had eyes on Yolder? Oh God, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next email is from one of our our favorite individuals, Redneck. Ma, <laughs> it's not ma. It's not ma. <laughs> so this email is says my only thoughts on the Red Jacks that I keep coming back to is that they are the Vanguard's equivalent to the CBs, CBs uh, constructing battalion of the United States Navy. Just think of a guy operating a bulldozer while firing a rifle at the enemy. That's the CB, and that's about the visual I get when thinking about Red Jacks. <laughs> so. Nice. Yeah, that's kind of again pointing to pointing to the re- the uh, burning shrine ghost fragment. That's kind of the thing that I got too. They have a bulldozer and they definitely have rifles. And so, yes, I would I would agree yeah. with that mental image of frames. Excellent. That's excellent, redneck. <laughs> um and also if if you've ever seen the John Wayne movie the fighting CBs, you know, they fought too when they had to. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what he says is Um, the, yeah. yeah. The constructing battalion. Yeah. They, they, you know, were core of engineers type stuff Mm -hmm. building bridges and whatnot. But when, when, you know, the hit the fan, they had to pick up guns and, and defend their, defend their bridges, defend what they built. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is their bridge. You leave it alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, the final final email that we got was from Catalucci, and they say, I still feel there is more that happened to cause the rift between Shax and Saladin than the strike that was led during Six Fronts. Apparently, maybe Deej will get into the Christmas spirit and drop some more lore. Keep the foil spinning. Um, first off, love that. Justin, you should totally use that to sign off from things. Keep the foil spinning. <laughs> Actually, that... Sounded very organic. We'll talk. We'll talk <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, and I again, I agree. I agree completely. I think that there is definitely something that happened that more than what we, you know, there, there. I don't think it was just one incident. I don't think it was one, you know, disobeyed. <clears throat> excuse me, disobeyed command, um, or you know, one. <laughs> one misguided understanding of the succession. Um, I don't, I don't think so. I think there, I think there is something deeper that go. And I mean, I hope, I hope there is something deeper than just, I don't like you, you know, it's well, yeah, no, go ahead. No, I was gonna, I was just gonna, I'm like, I'm just, I, I think that these characters have more depth than that. Uh, just on a, on a personal level, you know, not even ignoring the fact that that would be kind of a, you know, that would be, that would kind of be a cop out as far as writing the the reason because that 
that wouldn't make sense uh, from well, a, from a okay. character point of view. Let me just say this. Even in real life, picture the two most petty people you know, right? Mm-hmm. The, that, that have a falling out and won't talk to each other, right? They, they always claim it's one thing. But it's never just yeah, that it's, one but thing. But that's right? my point. There's is always like more to it. No, I'm I'm backing you up. Is what I'm saying. No, no, is, we're going to argue it, about the same. No, thing. I, I'm not going to argue. <laughs> this is the one thing. This show's over. <laughs> no, uh, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Psychologically, it's it's much easier for our human psyche to say, Mm-mm, "This is the one thing. It's the last straw." There's never a last straw. There's an avalanche of straws, right? <laughs> It's never one straw, but we love to 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 assign mock importance to trivial little events, right? Right. We, we yeah. this that that's the tipping point. That's a that's another favorite, you know, little cliche. Um, but really, it's never ever that one little thing. There's always stuff that precipitated it, and I think that's that's you know the the abcs of shacks and saladin right and well why. and i think that i mean again i think that's kind of the that's what that's why i kind of said my my theory on the whole connection to yolder and you know the whole drama there is because i mean that would that would go to what you were just saying is like you know to shacks i could see it being like why are you overreacting I just did this and and then you know Zavala is probably I kind of get the feeling you know just me again this is just my opinion I get the feeling that Zavala is a lot more aware of people than people give Zavala credit for and so Zavala might actually understand that and you know there's the the Iron Banner card where it talks about how the three of them someone always tries to get the three of them or from time to time someone tries to get the three of them to sit down and talk out their differences um I kind of get the sense that that, that person that person would might be Zavala and he might be the one that's being like, okay, let's, let's talk, you know, let's talk about the actual reasons of what's going on. Because again, you know, like what we did, we talked about this last week, but Zavala kind of gets the kind of, he's the mediator between two of his friends and that position's kind of rough on him, I think, especially, but um, yeah, I definitely agree that there's, there's more that happened than what we know, but all right. You got, you got anything for us this week, Justin, any more thoughts on no, Lord Shacks and the red jacks? No, no. Yeah. Thank you for your emails. Those are awesome. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Well, in that vein, uh, the email topic for next week. Uh, yes, next week is Thanksgiving. Uh, we are still going to try, <laughs> try to have a sh- stream on Wednesday night, which is the night before Thanksgiving. So we might, we might have a few last minute schedule changes. If we do, you know, um, Again, as we say in the outro, if there's any if there's any schedule changes, we will we will let you guys know as soon as possible. Um, but the next topic is going to be the weapon foundries. 
So, you know, the lore of the weapon foundries, we already are off to a really good start in the discord server. If you don't, if you aren't in the discord server and you want to be in the discord server, give us a shout on Twitter, give us a shout at the email. Uh, again, we'll have that all information in the outro. Um, we are more than love to have you in there and just, you know, just, just see the more people we have in there, the better the conversation really, it really is. Um, I do have one other big shout out for tonight. Uh, it is November 15th. That is the 15th, 15th year for Xbox and Halo. So happy birthday, guys. Good job. The day my world changed. Yeah. Yeah. When, I mean, Hobbit, when Hobbit brought an Xbox over <laughs> and said, you've got to play this game, Halo. And I said, what's an Xbox? Because I'd always played PlayStation up to that point. Well, and I'm glad. I'm yeah. glad you you changed for the better. I'm gonna get so much hate for that. But there was there was a really cool um, on that topic. There is a really cool uh, little Snapchat video. I retweeted it earlier today. But they have the prototype Xbox console when it was an actual X. It was like Chrome and everything. It was really cool. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. That was like and they realized what? that there was like no way to make that work. Yeah, there Jeez. there really wasn't. You're gonna get a box. Like you, we, it would be really cool, but no, that's They've been not gonna computers for years. Yeah. There's still a box. <laughs> that's that's not practical from a user standpoint. So, but yeah, Justin, I know you have a couple. I know you have a couple shout outs. Yeah. So, um, first of all, big shout out to Mel. Uh, sorry, you couldn't be here today. We missed you. And uh, actually need some advice because my son actually started watching Naruto. So I'm a little confused. Don't understand anything, but you can help <laughs> me with that later. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I last week I had some last minute uh, family emergency. My son woke up coughing. And I missed the shout outs portion. So I just wanted to go ahead and after the fact, give a very um, happy belated Veterans Day to all our veterans out there. Um, any branch, you know, duration of service, whatever. I don't care. Thank you very much. Whatever you did, it's more than I did. So thank you very much for, you know, for putting it all out there so that I can sit at a desk and talk about video games once a week. So mm -hmm. thank you very much. Um, and another big shout out to McClan DOD Chatter White crew. And lastly, an extra long shout out this week, all my peeps over in the spin four corner. In, uh, <laughs> oh <this> no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I fear like we have a reckoned a sweeping giant. <laughs> Is what I say. But yeah. The spinful corner is alive and well in the lounge. So if if you're in Discord, check out the spinful lounge. There's something stirring. Um other than that, DOD Channel White Crew and all the normal peeps. Um thanks for tuning in live chat. <laughs> well, with that we'll begin to wrap the chat up. 
Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes or through email as well. Reminder, we are going to have that slight shift in our schedule starting this December due to some schedule conflicts and, again, a desire to actually be functional at our day jobs. We're going to be moving the live stream to the, of the podcast to Friday nights. We will still start up at about 10 p.m. Central, but hopefully that's going to give us more flexibility, not just for ourselves, but, again, for any guest who might be in different time zones as well. This means that instead of the audio hitting Podbean and all your other sources – on Thursday morning, it is going to become available early Saturday morning central. Please let us know any thoughts or concerns on that change, either through the Discord server um, or through an email that are about that email that I just said. Be sure to also check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on the guardiansofdestiny.com. So, until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright. 